Good afternoon, I'm Al Crestus. We celebrated the Feast of St. Joseph the Worker. Very specific reason this feast was celebrated on May 1st, uh, often called May Day. And uh, how does Joseph's example of the worker contrast with the socialist view of the worker? With me, Dr. Paul Kengor. He's author, most recently, of The Devil and Karl Marx. Uh, he's professor of political science at Grove City College in Grove City, Pennsylvania, and senior academic fellow at the Center for uh, Vision and Values. He's the author of over a dozen books. Uh, we've talked about most of them here on this program over the years. Paul, good to have you back. Thanks. Yeah, thanks, Al. Always good to be with you. Well, May Day, um, you know, it's a, it's, a, it's a funny holiday because when most people think of May Day, I think they think of sun, sunshine. They think of Mother's Day is approaching. The spring has begun. But May Day has a specific historic meaning to it. What is it? Yeah, there's really all sorts of different celebrations and things that people mark on that day, Al. And, and you know, certainly for for workers, right, in the West and you know, United States, Western Europe, and, and I remember a lot of this because you know, like, like you, I'm old enough to you know, grow, uh, I grew up in the I grew up in the 1980s, or I was in college in the 1980s, Cold War, communism, yeah, sure, and yeah, and and May Day for like international socialism and communism is sort of their 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 high holy day, yeah, right, yeah. No, that's I true, mean, yeah, the yeah the the it's kind of the the feast day on the uh, you know communist ideological calendar, right. And and it goes back for them to uh, International Workers' Holiday, which was in 1889, which was launched by basically international socialists. The the, the Bolsheviks took it up another level in 1917, 1918, through the 1920s, 1930s. And it became such a big, big deal in the sort of Western secular world that our Pope, Pius XII, responded to it on May 1st, 1955, by kind of taking back May Day for Catholics, <laughs> and, and, and specifically by invoking not the image of the atheistic worker, who was um, you know, a communist worker who was secular and rejected God, according to the Soviets and the communists, but of St. Joseph the worker, yeah. who was, the, as John Paul II called him, the kustos, the guardian of the Redeemer. Yeah. So it was his way of saying... You don't need to leave God behind on May first, right? Yeah. We can we can give the the worker a higher vision of work than than the atheistic communist vision. Well, did did he um, did he announce this uh, with any special activity? Did, I mean, did he address this you know before a group of workers, or is this something that he you know released uh, you know from, from his press office? Yes, yeah, so he did it by actually addressing in St. Peter's Square on that day a group called the Association of Italian Christian Workers. And and this was a time when, I mean, there were a lot of people in Italy who supported communism. Right. It's kind of shocking. Yeah. It, it really is. Um, in fact, I'm trying to remember one of, one of the one of the popes that followed might have even been might have been John Paul I, right? Who was pope for only 33 days. Right. But I, I think he, among others, um, he recalled struggling with his father because his father was this this atheistic communist, <laughs> and 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 the father um, looked down upon. I think it was John Paul I. I hope I'm not getting this wrong, but but uh, he he had looked down upon the Catholic Church because it was opposing communism. 
So it had this this strange appeal to to a lot of Italians. So so here came Pope Pius XII, and he said in that speech he he condemned what he called the atrocious slander that was being widely spread that um, that the church is this ally of capitalism against the workers, right? Mm-hmm. So not just on the side of capitalism, but but on the side of capitalism against workers. And Pius XII, who you know, who at that point was already being smeared by communists as Hitler's pope. Yep. I mean, a lot of people think that that started in the early 1960s with a play in East Germany by a playwright named um, Rolf Hockuth, who mm-hmm. really kind of perpetuated it. But as uh, Ron Richlack has pointed out in his works on Pius XII, this actually goes back to a Radio Moscow broadcast in 1945. Wow. So, so he knew how these guys slandered, how they how they took things and appropriated them in their name. I mean, he, even the phrase from each according to his abilities. That I mean, Marx took that from I think it's Acts four thirty five mm-hmm. in the New Testament. Yeah. He lifted that out of the New Testament. And of course, Marx didn't believe in Jesus. Mm-hmm. Marx didn't believe in God. He no. called religion the opiate of the masses. Yeah, there's also an so, echo of that in Second Corinthians chapter eight, and Saint Paul as well uh, has something right? very similar. Yeah. So. Yeah, this is, and I think this is what happens uh, with many people today, is they, when they think of socialism, they're not thinking of coercion. They're thinking how somehow of a um, kind of a society in which, uh, you know, we're all uh, looking to serve the common good and there won't be any extraordinary uh, gaps between rich and poor and that uh, all will be, well, what they don't realize is that socialism, by definition, requires the coercive hand of government. That's exactly right. And I wrote a piece for Crisis Magazine, I think it was last week, maybe the week before, and and this is a quote from the Reverend Senator Raphael Warnock, who, who Georgians elected <laughs> as their next senator in November. And he was speaking here to Atlanta's Ebenezer Baptist Church. Yeah. This was 2016. And you'll fall off your chair here, Al, but well, actually you won't. You won't be surprised. <laughs> but he said, he said, quote, the early church was a socialist church. <laughs> I know you think that's an oxymoron, but the, the early church was much closer to socialism than to capitalism. Go back and read the Bible. I love to listen to evangelicals who stand on the Bible. Well, guess what? They all had things in common. They took everything, and I'm just preaching the Bible. They took all their things, and they had all things in common. Um, He said, if we share everything that we have, this is a basic principle, this is the word of the Bible. And and what he's quoting there, Al, and he's getting that from Acts, where... And the, and the passage from Acts is, quote, the community of believers was of one heart and mind, and no one claimed that any of his possessions was his own, but they had everything in common. And then this, and this is, by the way, how it's completely different from socialism and communism. With great power, the apostles bore witness to the resurrection of the Lord Jesus. <laughs> right? There was no needy person among them. For those who owned property or houses would sell them, bring the proceeds of the sale, put them at the feet of the apostles, and they were distributed to each according to need. Yeah. And and that was the reading in the lectionary, I think, two or three Sundays ago, mm-hmm. right? Yeah. And a lot of Catholics probably sitting in the pews, actually, I know this because I get emails from people, had priests who, who, who said to them, well, you know, this is socialism. 
Yeah. This is supporting socialism, but it's not. It's not at all. <laughs> and by the way, religious, most religious all. orders, most religious orders implement that teaching themselves. It's considered exactly. one of the councils exactly. of perfection. <laughs> right. Yeah. And, and 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 they do so because, you know, quite contrary to 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 what Raphael Warnock says and what Acts four thirty two says, they're doing this to bear witness to the resurrection of the Lord Jesus. Exactly. And and and, and also they're doing it voluntarily, Absolutely. not as states, right. but as societies, not right. even societies, but, but, but as groups of religious believers yep. who, motivated by Christ and Christian compassion, voluntary acts of free will benevolence, are deciding to pull together and share some of their resources. This is utterly and completely and totally 100% different for, from, a, from a, a collectivist state using the force and compulsion of, of the long arm of the government, an atheistic state, which, which, which calls socialism or communism, calls religion the opiate of the masses, uh, it, it forcing, forcibly taking all of people's stuff and redistributing it. That's not socialism. Socialism comes <laughs> 1,800 years after this, this statement from Acts. You know, there's no resemblance to this at all. No. And, and what's interesting, too, is this people people... There's a lot of discussion about exactly what that passage in Acts chapter 4, and there's a there's an embryonic passage in Acts 2 as well, dealing with this, uh, the early the early Christian community and, and what it was like. One thing we do know, though, regardless of how that worked out, Jerusalem was hit by a famine, and St. Paul spent a lot of his time raising money for those churches, in, for that church in Jerusalem. So, you know, did they, I don't know, I'm just saying, the fact that they uh, ended up having economic difficulty back then, uh, was that because they were naive about the use of money? I don't know. I'm saying by Second Corinthians chapter 8, though, St. Paul still wants the idea of there being equality among the people, but he wants it by virtue of choice, voluntary right. choice. Uh, as an example, Christ who became... Though he was rich, yet he became poor for our sake, and so it's it's meant to it's meant to generate that spirit of sacrificial giving that Jesus demonstrated. It has nothing to do, nothing to do with civil government, and nothing to do certainly with socialism, right? Right. Um, with communism, Marx said communism begins where atheism begins. Uh, the the, the uh, Communist Manifesto calls for everything from abolition of religion and all morality to the family to the, the signature line in the manifesto from Marx and Engels is the entire communist theory may be summed up in the single sentence, abolition of private property, right? right? right. And that's completely antithetical to the teachings of God. Um, the commandments, one of the commandments says, that thou shalt not steal. And also, if you really drill down and just kind of think through what's happening in Acts, First of all, the people actually have property that they can sell. That they can, that they can right? sell, exactly. Yeah, and the, and, the, and the next line speaks to the first of two disciples who who voluntarily, quote, sold a piece of property that he owned, unquote. Mm-hmm. It doesn't even say that he sold all of it. He sold a piece of property that he owned, yep. and he basically gave, gave, that, gave that to the church. So the fact that they can even sell stuff that they own... And, and, and Jesus, son of Joseph, right? Joseph the worker. Mm-hmm. They were carpenters. They right. they probably were, did some form of of you know, they were hired hands, contractors, right? 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 Yep. Um, they they had income. They had property. Yep. They had homes. This is not 
socialism. No. But 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 so many people, unfortunately, even in Catholic circles in our church today, and even too many pastors, um, the 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 education in our schools has been so bad. America Magazine, the Jesuit Magazine, did a piece in July 2019 called "The Catholic Case for Communism." Is it really? Um, yeah. yeah. People don't I know miss this that. stuff. Wow. Yeah, it's really damaging. Paul, can you stay with me longer? Sure. Good. Sure. Good. My guest, Dr. Paul Kengo, I want to come back to this. This I am curious how this happened, because in the 1950s and into the very early 60s, it was understood that a Christian approach to the economy was not socialistic or communistic. How did that change in the minds of so many pastors? Good afternoon. I'm Al Cresta. With me, Dr. Paul Kengar, looking over the uh, May 1st, uh, that is May Day, you've heard that said. It's the Feast of St. Joseph the Worker. This was instituted uh, by uh, Pope Pius XII uh, as a Catholic response to the Socialist Communist International Workers' Day, which had been uh, around since the 19th century and took even clearer focus after the Bolshevik Revolution. Uh, the ch- Catholic Church, by, I think, 1955, when this was declared, I believe, um, the Catholic Church had already been uh, writing systematically on what was originally called the social question. And this was in the ni- late 19th century when uh, Leo XIII gave us Rerum Novarum, uh, which was it's a magnificent document uh, in which he makes it clear that a private property is uh, a function of natural law. Uh, he uh, warns against socialism. And this uh, opposition to communism, socialism, and they were often spoken of together. There's some technical differences between the two. But fundamentally, it has to do with the state owning the means of production. Uh, the Catholic Church had its own approach uh, to this question. And it was very clear that the Church stood against communism. You think of Archbishop uh, Fulton Sheen, Archbishop Fulton Sheen, later on uh, with his TV talks. And then what happened? Uh, Second Vatican Council comes along, John XXIII, the 60s. And after that, it seems as though socialism is now spoken of favorably, and and if you speak against it, you're under suspicion uh, among certain Catholics, uh, Catholic groups in America. Do you know, Paul, how that happened? Yeah, I I I, I again blame it on on our educational systems. I I just <laughs> I had a student in my office a half hour ago, and he 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 was he's a Catholic student here at Grove City College. He's a sophomore, mm-hmm. and he came here from a Catholic high school in the Chicago suburbs, and and. Al, he just shared horror story with me after horror story yeah. about what he what he learned in the classroom about everything from socialism to how gender is fluid, and he just he went on and on and on with things in direct violation of church teaching, and it it just keeps getting worse, yeah. and 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 oftentimes they're taught incorrect things, and they're not even taught the better alternative. In fact, you know, a great a great example of that. 
probably the, the, the Church's best statement on socialism, uh, communism, was 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 Quadragesimo Anno, yes, which was which was published in 1931, and the uh, this is a quote from Pius XI. Yeah, a celebration of 40 years after Rerum Novarum. It's exactly, yeah. And by the way, and Saint John the 23rd, even you know, who a lot of liberal Catholics consider, you know, kind of their liberal pope, right, their guy, right? right. right. Um, he 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 warned. He, he said that. Um, not even moderate forms of socialism are acceptable. Right. And even Pope Francis said, quote, the Marxist ideology is wrong, right. unquote. <laughs> and it's ironic, because if you if you do a Google search on America Magazine, the Catholic case for communism, that piece that pops up in July 2019, they have the leader of Bolivia handing Pope Francis the, the so-called communist crucifix, right? Communist <laughs> crucifix, which is like Jesus on this hammer and sickle. And, and of course, Francis, who has really said almost nothing about communism and definitely doesn't really condemn it very often at all, has at least on, a, on one occasion in December 2013 said categorically, quote, Marxism is wrong, right. unquote. Right. So, so, I, so even, even the popes that people, for lack of a better term, consider the most liberal on these issues have, have, have condemned Marxism and socialism. But, but probably Quadragesimo Anno, yeah, 18, uh, so it would have been on the 40th anniversary of Rerum Novarum, that was 1891, so this would have been 1931, and Pius XI stated there, quote, religious socialism, Christian socialism are contradictory terms. No one can be at the same time a good Catholic and a true socialist, unquote. Yeah. And and I think maybe the most important thing he said here, and this gets back to my point about how a lot of the bad education, they don't really even teach how we offer a positive alternative to this as Catholics. He said there that, that Christians that, for whatever reason, are attracted by socialism, right? And he can't quite get his mind around why you would be, right? But if you are, they, they quote, they ought to profess Christian truth, whole and entirely, openly and sincerely, and not connive at error in any way. That's a great line. this statement, Al, if they truly wish to be heralds of the gospel, let them above all strive to show to socialists that socialist claims, so far as they are just, and by the way, that's an argument, right, whether or not they're even just, are far more strongly supported by the principles of Christian faith and Christian charity. So, so the point there in Quadrigesimilano and, and throughout the Catholic teaching since, since Qui Puribus was published by Pope Pius IX in 1846, two years before the Communist Manifesto was even published, is, is that if you want to help the poor, if you want to help the working man, mm-hmm. just do the Christian gospel. Yeah. Yeah. Be a Christian. Do Christianity. As, as Pius XI said, you know, quote, there's no reason to become socialist, unquote. Why, why, would, you want to, why would you want to subscribe to an atheistic philosophy that if you actually read Marx and Lenin and Engels is an utterly revolutionary philosophy, which calls for, as Marx said, the ruthless criticism of everything that exists, mm-hmm. right? Um, raising the entire social and political order. I mean, that is a, that is a wildly radical extremist yeah. ideology. Yep. You don't need to go there at all. But um, the Catholics aren't learning any of this. They don't. They don't know what I'm talking about here. Most people don't know because they're not learning it in our schools. No, it is. It's it's tragic. And um, yeah, it's this. It is. It's it's. Uh, 
I returned to the Catholic Church in 1992, and uh, I thought, I confess, I thought that by now um, we would have seen a revolution uh, in Catholic education. Uh, we've seen the rise of a number of schools that are doing a good job, but uh, the vast majority of Catholic colleges and universities remain apparently under the influence and control of uh, orders or leaders who are uh, not committed to speaking the Catholic truth unvarnished. And I don't, I don't understand um, how, how you can how, how to get away from this. Uh, so you've got you, you quote here from uh, uh, I had it right in front of me. But this statement that uh, from Pius XI, that religious socialism, Christian socialism are contradictory terms, that's, that is a great statement. It's a statement that permits yep. you to put them side by side and to say, why? Why are these contradictory terms? And right. You, you know, unfortunately, that kind of analysis is not often given to students, and rarely do you ever see it uh, taught at, at the local church level. Well, that's right. And I, I've had people tell me over the years, Al, they'll say, well, you know, when I was in Catholic school in the 50s and 60s, we, we recited the Fatima prayer. And, and they said, um, you know, we were, we were Democrats, right? We were like JFK Democrats, right, Truman Democrats. Right. But we were anti-communists, right? right? right. We, we hated communism. And I think what you're seeing today in so many Catholic schools and, and Catholic colleges, especially Catholic colleges that aren't really Catholic anymore in many cases, is they're hiring people who are non-Catholics, and, and, and also they're hiring even people who are lukewarm Catholics, not real serious Catholics, or Catholics that came up through schools or through public universities where they didn't learn any of this stuff. Yeah. So, so, so they simply don't know it. The, the idea that um, America Jesuit Magazine could write the Catholic case for communism. Pope Pius XI's uh, 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 encyclical for March 1937 on atheistic communism referred described described Marxism as a quote satanic scourge, yeah. a satanic scourge. Yeah. I, I, yeah. I mean, the 1949 papal decree against communism by Pius XII. I, I'm not exaggerating. Al. America Magazine probably would have been excommunicated. Back, back uh, under up. that decree, yeah. for, just for publishing that article. <laughs> yeah, yeah. And so I mean, I'm not calling for that here. I'm just saying what an incredible situation it is to read a piece like that. And, and you know, the 1937 encyclical by Pius XI on atheistic communism, which invoked St. Joseph for the battle against communism, that was 18 years before... Pius XII uh, came up with a day of St. Joseph the Worker. This is a powerful statement in that encyclical. It said, quote, the evil that we must combat is at its origin primarily an evil of the spiritual order, mm -hmm. of the spiritual mm -hmm. order. So they saw communism as not just something that didn't work because, oh, say, it distorts markets, right? right, right. Or it doesn't understand economic theory. They said, no, th this is, to quote Divinity Redemptorus, uh, you know, this is a, quote, collectivistic terrorism replete with hate, class warfare which causes rivers of blood to flow, communistic systems are monstrous and flowing with satanic logic, right? I, I, I mean, they, they saw this as an ideology 
not just, you know, not some typical ideology. This isn't Democrats and Republicans, right? This isn't, um, you know, whatever you want to call social democracy. They saw this as something primarily an evil of the spiritual order. And, and our Catholics today, again, don't understand that. And I know they're not getting it from the pews, which, um, which, which, which is equally a problem. Right. No, no, I, I agree. Uh, looking back again to the, the kind of the granddaddy of all social encyclicals, Rerum Novarum, I had the chance to teach through this uh, for the Dominican group of which I'm a part. And uh, the paragraphs 5 through 16, right at the beginning of this, are all about the natural right to private property. Yeah. <laughs> it begins to frame the social question in light of the, the goods associated with private property. I mean, it also attacks uh, abuses of the principle. But there's absolutely no doubt that Rear Novarum stands for the natural right to private property, which would then mean any philosophy that tries to abolish the natural right to private property is in direct opposition to the teaching of the church, which is what that should be a red flag right away. Exactly. As soon as you read in Marx and Engels, the manifesto, and even if you were getting the cliff notes, right? Well, how do Marx and Engels describe communism? Well, right here, they say the entire communist theory may be summed up in the single sentence, abolition of private property. Right then and there as a Catholic, you shouldn't need to know much else than the Ten Commandments, (laughs) <laughs> and that and yep. that property is a natural right. Yep. And you ought yep. to be able to reason through how taking away people's private property is going to lead to rivers of blood, mm-hmm. as the Vinny Redemptorist put it. By the way, Pope Leo Thirteenth, who many liberal Catholics love, right, yeah. and rightly so, spoke, spoke of, uh, quote, the plague of socialism, unquote, yeah. right, and, yeah. and said that it steals the very gospel itself with a view to deceive more easily the unwary. That's his 1878 encyclical on socialism. So the popes all realized, too, that another big problem with this is how the imprudent, the unwary, um, as Pius XI called it, can be deceived by the alluring poison that deceives the unwary. So, so you know, we can, people can easily be misled, which is why Pius XII did what he did in May 1st, 1955, invoke St. Joseph the Worker. And here we are in the year 20, uh, 2021 when, when, when Pope Francis has made it the year of St. Joseph. Yes. Thank you so much, Paul. Uh, All right. How do people stay abreast of what you're doing? Well, check us out at faithandfreedom.com, and I write for the National Catholic Register and Crisis Magazine, among others. Very good. We'll talk again. Thanks. Thanks, Al.